This is a throwdown, a showdown. Hell no, Rob Faye Nation can't slow down. It's gonna go. What is going on? I'm Rob Faye. Welcome to your Wednesday edition of Sports Bar Radio. It is the 11th day of August, and I hope this finds you well. Vancouver is getting hot again. Oh, just when I thought we were getting to the back end of uh, August. Nope. The dog days of summer are still alive and well, and that means we're going to talk a little baseball. We're going to talk some football. We're not really going to get into a whole lot of hockey talk aside from a, a quote or two from Elias Pettersson of the Vancouver Canucks. It has the entire city of Vancouver swirling, but we've got a boatload of stuff to get to, including one of the hottest teams in all of professional sports right now, and you know them very well. So let me get you to that one story that rises above all the rest of them. Let me get you to the lead. We've scoured the globe for the stories that matter to you. Okay, well, let's be honest. Rob picks most of the stories, so maybe they matter more to him? Anyways, pull up a chair and let our bartender pour you a cold one because there's a lot going on in your world today. So one of the things that I always reflect on is what is the toughest job in sports? Is it the actual athlete that's got to put the shot up that goes to the bottom of the net? The guy that shoots from the blue line and can somehow beat the goaltender? I mean, every sport's got an athlete that does something extraordinary. But who sleeps the least? There's no doubt in my mind, and even more so than trainers, it is the general manager. Because essentially you're hired to one day be fired. That's the old adage, right? You know, you're brought in, you either succeed or you're punted for the next guy or next person. I sit back and I think of the way that I was critical at times of both Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins of the Toronto Blue Jays. And I gotta eat some crow. Because as I look at this Toronto Blue Jays team and how it has been built and the thoughts that went into this, it's really extraordinary. Like you're talking about players like Robbie Ray, Marcus Semien, young players that they stuck with to make sure that they could get them through and now we're seeing the fruits of their labor pay off. I mean, even the meteoric rise of Nate Pearson, which eventually found him on the injured list, but now they're going to bring him back in the role of a reliever, which is going to be an added weapon to them to add to the likes of Hyunjun Ryu, Jose Barrios, and a team that is still very competitive in the American League East. You know, the problem that I had, if I could just speak openly with the Toronto Blue Jays from a couple of years ago, and why I think I was frustrated with uh, both Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins, was it wasn't a likable team. You know, like, you have certain teams, and you could say, you know, that's my guys, I'm going to get behind them because they play the right way. Like, the Toronto Blue Jays right now are likable. You like Bo Bichette, you like Vladdy, you like the energy that this team has. Teoscar Hernandez and Lourdes Gurriel Jr., it's just got a good energy, right? But sometimes, in order to get to that, you have to get rid of what you first inherited. And for the Toronto Blue Jays, make no mistake about it, it took three to four years of transition. From the times that we saw them getting loose before Jose Bautista had the bat flip, to where we get to now, that three to four year window, wasn't always pretty, was it? And I think there were a lot of people, myself included, that were looking at Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins thinking, do you guys really get it? They got it. I was the one that did not get it. And I'm okay to admit that because that is the plight of a sports fan because you're in real time and you're a reactionist. Some people will look at the notes. Some people will look at the pie charts and say, okay, well, this projects this way. 
But the reality is, until you physically have lived that experience and understand the human element of it, you can take all that analytic and shove it out the window. The reality to me is, the Toronto Blue Jays are likable because of their resiliency right now, because they're competing and doing so under conditions that no Major League Baseball team's been through before. Dude, they didn't have a home game in their home stadium for nearly two calendar years. And they're competitive, they didn't bitch about it, sure, they didn't like going to Buffalo, but they also rid themselves of the gray clouds. With all due respect to Marcus Stroman, who's a hell of a pitcher, he has a presence that isn't everybody's cup of tea. I've talked to a couple of people within that organization that said that once Marcus Stroman left, that the pressure within the clubhouse was immediately relieved. When Rowdy Telez was given a chance to go to Milwaukee and do his thing there, that also took a little pressure within the clubhouse out of the organization because he was always frustrated that he wasn't getting his. So I guess I sit here at the crossroads of what this team has been for the past couple of years and what they can be before the season has ended. I don't even care if they make the playoffs this year because the reality is, is with everything that they've been dealt, the fact that they're even competitive is good by me. We see what this team is. Robbie Ray, great signing. The pickup of Jose Barrios, the pickup of George Springer, the pickup of Hyunjun Ryu. I mean, those are big names out there in those last two in Springer and Ryu that the Blue Jays were up against some pretty big teams with some pretty deep pockets and yet they came away with the prize possession. That hasn't always happened. And the fact that the Toronto Blue Jays are trending that way makes you feel good about it. I mean, dude, right now, if you were to look at the best pitchers in the American League, you would probably say that it's Garrett Cole or it's Lance Lynn. Lynn with the White Sox, Cole with the Yankees, Carlos Rodon is also having a great season. But there's no reason that you couldn't put a guy like Robbie Ray into that conversation. Like, Robbie Ray, for what it is worth this year, has been extraordinarily good, extraordinarily reliable, and has more innings than anybody else on this team. He's 9-5 with a 2.90 ERA. He's got 159 strikeouts and just 35 walks. Like, Robbie Ray has been given the chance. He's worked with Pete Walker. The Blue Jays believed in him, and he is now amongst the best in the American League. Sure, Hyunjin Ryu's got more wins, but Robbie Ray has been the story of the season. I even like the Steven Matz signing. Matz has got nine wins this year. He's logged over 100 innings. He's got more than 100 strikeouts. And calling up Alec Manoa, who is 4-1 with a 2.58 ERA, shows you that they had the confidence in their guys. Jordan Romano steps into a role. He's been awesome. He's 5-1 with a 2.61 ERA. He's got 10 saves and 54 strikeouts in 41 innings. Everything that they have touched, the Toronto Blue Jays, I'm saying, has turned into something special. And sure, the TJ Zoics might not always work out. And yes, there's going to be guys that go on to the IL. But they knew when to cut bait on guys like Tanner Rourke. They knew when to cut bait on guys that were bad in the locker room, and they have built this team into something special. I am not sure where this team ends up. Maybe they're fourth, maybe they're second, maybe they make the wild card, maybe they don't. But you can't say that this isn't a team that you like. And likability goes a long way into buying tickets to see an organization play. And right now, I think the Toronto Blue Jays are trending in a way that Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro might have seen but I didn't, and I'm glad that I was miserably wrong. Because, you know what, it takes a long time for a general manager to truly get a good night's sleep. 
And the beauty is right now, I've got to imagine that as crazy as the world is, that Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro are pretty happy with what they've got on the field right now. They could always want to tinker and make it better, of course, because that is the pride that goes into this job. But that is not a job for everybody. When all of a sudden you realize that things aren't going right and you realize that the public perception of you has gone sour and the shareholders read the newspapers and hear the fans on sports radio, you know that this is the job where you are hired to get fired. So what do you do? You build a winner so that you can elongate your career. I love what the Blue Jays have done with this team. To localize it as a guy that lives in Vancouver right now, Jim Benning. Some guys make it through the mud, some guys don't. Some guys have an ownership that gives them a longer rope than others, and some guys don't. But right now, i got to think one of the safest jobs in all of Canadian sport, outside of Messiah Jury and the Raptors, is probably Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins when you think about it. Name another executive in Canadian sports that has that kind of comfort at this point. Think of an NHL general manager. Think of a guy from MLS right now in Canada. Who right now has better job security than Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins? I can't say it. Aside from Asai Ujiri, there's nobody. And that is how you build a winner. When your general manager doesn't have the vulture swirling above, you know you've got a good team on the field or on the ice or on the pitch. All right, let's switch to the rest of the world of sports. You know how we do this show. We'll focus on one team, but then we'll broaden your perspective. By the end of this, we hope that you are fully aware of what is going on in the world of sports. We house all that information in one room right at the back of the bar. I can see it from here. So let's stand up, let's shake out the legs, and let's walk over. Let me take you into the VIP room. You knew tonight was going to be a good night, didn't you? Guys, the ladies don't want you wasting their time, so get to the point. 10 topics, 10 minutes. Hold on to your drinks because we're about to bring you the entire world of sports before the DJ can pull out the vinyl for his next set. Welcome to the VIP room. Okay, so let's start in hockey. And yesterday, NHL legend Tony Esposito passed away at the age of 78 after a battle with pancreatic cancer. He was one of the greatest goaltenders ever. NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman saying, quote, the hockey world will miss him greatly. The NHL family extends its deepest sympathies to his wife, Marilyn, his sons, Mark and Jason, and his grandchildren, Lauren and Cameron. Esposito, for those uh, maybe who have heard the name but don't know who I'm talking about, played with the Chicago Blackhawks in 1969 and went on to play for that team for 15 seasons. Three-time Vezina Trophy winner. His brother, Phil, who was also a pretty big deal in the NHL, was a five-time All-Star and eventually inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1988. The Blackhawks putting out a statement saying it's a sad day for the Blackhawks and for all of hockey, but with his wonderful family, let us celebrate a life well lived. Uh, the Blackhawks already retired Esposito's number 35 jersey, and uh, the Blackhawks would also go on to say that Tony Esposito's banner will be part of the United Center forever, as will his legacy as a superstar both on and off the ice. Well, in Vancouver, it is amazing what a conversation with a reporter over in Sweden can do, especially when that reporter, Uffe Bowden, speaks with Elias Pedersen, who said in a conversation with Bowden, quote, my agents do all the talking and then they inform me. Right now, we're not in an agreement, but I'm not worried that we're not. Both parties need to be happy in order to find a solution, but I'm not worried. But he would also go on to say, quote, I want to stay there now, but I also want to play for a team that has a chance to go far into the playoffs every year. I feel like we've got a chance to do that next year. If we have that chance, I just want to play 
where there is a chance of winning, unquote. Now, the reason that this is a story isn't just the fact that Pedersen is yet to be signed by the Vancouver Canucks, which I think we understand is going to be a bit of a tricky situation, especially when Pedersen switched his agents to uh, J.P. Barry and Pat Bersaw. That, on its own, showed that this was going to be an interesting offseason. But when you have your star player say that he wants to play for a team that has a chance to go far into the playoffs every year, you can take that one of two ways. Maybe he's looking over the fence at the other teams in the NHL. But you could also say that that is a great team move. By saying to Jim Benning and the powers that be within this organization, even Daniel and Henrik, that, hey, if you want me to be here long term, let's get this thing going. Because I think the overall thing that's coming out, and it hasn't just been this offseason, but it's maybe more prominent this offseason in the wake of them not making it to the playoffs, is the fact that there's a lot of players right now that aren't really happy with the direction that this team's going. You can talk about Alex Edler and speculate there, and Nate Schmidt, which I think is a little more obvious. He didn't see Vancouver as a fit for what he wanted. But yeah, I think there's a lot of players between how COVID was handled, how the moves have been made over the last couple of years dating back to the previous offseason, that some of the marquee players on this team are saying, okay, well, what's the plan here? And that is something that the fan base has wanted for some time. That is what a lot of sports radio and sports media have wanted for some time. And it has always just kind of sort of been up in the air. But when a player says it, a marquee player says it with a pending contract on the horizon, that is a move that I love. I actually think Elias Pettersson, by even having that, you know, pretty frank conversation with that guy over in Sweden, that to me says, listen, he understands that he has his hand on one of the heat elements on the stove at Rogers Arena. And that if he turns it up a little bit, that that's going to get heard and that's going to get noticed. That's what leaders do. I'm not sitting here trying to wax poetically for Elias Pettersson. I don't care if he plays in Vancouver or not. But what I will say is when you have a player that understands where he is right now and the voice that he has within this organization and within the community, it's a great move. I'm all for it. If anything, I like that Elias Pettersson kind of seat that out there through the media and not a Vancouver-based media as well. The fact that he did it in his home country to a reporter that was good enough to translate it and have everybody pick up on it, I think it's the perfect play. Yeah. Jim Benning's got to get his shit together. And you can look at the offseason signings that he's had this year and say, you know what? Not bad. And I got to be honest with you. I have had no trouble with any of the offseason. I don't know if I would have done Pullman at four years, but uh, again, who knows? But for now, I think that what they've done overall has been just fine. But I, again, for all those people that are up in arms about Elias Pettersson speaking his mind, don't be. That's a veteran move. That is understanding where you are. That is understanding that the platform you have is right now exclusive to you. I know Quinn Hughes has got a bit of a platform too, but Pedersen's the leader, and that is what leaders do. They make sick moves like that, and I am a huge fan of what Elias Pedersen did through the media nonetheless. BC Lions of the Canadian Football League get ready to take on the Calgary Stampeders. That one is tomorrow. Both the Stamps and the Leos losers in week one of CFL action. Great to say that, by the way. Mike Riley threw for 203. Bo Levi Mitchell for 252. But Mike Riley doesn't look like he's going to be the quarterback under center, at least to start right now. As Nathan Rourke should get the ball, is Mike Riley still been dealing with that elbow injury. He's not been ruled out completely, but first team reps right now going to Rourke as they get ready to take on the Stampeders. 
Calgary coming off a loss to Toronto in Week 1. BC falling in Saskatchewan after getting off to a tough start. They didn't make up ground to make a game of it. Uh, Rourke, by the way, finishing 10 for 18 for 194. He had two touchdowns, two interceptions. That, of course, alongside Mike Riley, who was 17 to 24 uh, with the aforementioned 203 and a touchdown as well. Other games this week see Toronto and Winnipeg get together, both those teams winning their openers. Montreal getting their first game of the season, getting ready to take on Edmonton on Saturday. And the late game has Hamilton and Saskatchewan getting down in the prairies. Well, on the ATP, it's always tough. I always think of these um, events and how they sell tickets because you're going to see some of the greatest players. You see this in golf and every, uh, every kind of sport like this. Tennis... The Western and Southern Open have had two pretty big names, one of them bigger than the other one, obviously. Milos Raonic has pulled out of his upcoming event with an injury, as has Rafael Nadal. I mean, this tournament set for Cincinnati has Raonic and Nadal gone, and that is on the heels of Serena, Venus Williams, and Sophia Kennan withdrawing from the Open on Tuesday. So five big names in 24 hours pulling out of the Western and Southern Open. It just breaks my heart. Then all these people behind the scenes trying to build this tournament up as, uh, you know, a pretty big deal, only to see Nadal and both the Williams sisters pull out in the last 24 hours. Uh, that is heartbreaking, to say the least. And just sticking with tennis very quickly, defending women's champion Bianca Andreescu uh, yesterday off to the third round at the National Bank Open after defeating Harriet Dart of Britain in three sets. Well, Carol Zhao of Canada was ousted by Sarah Tormo. In a first-round match, the Spaniard take it at 6-2-6-3. All right, let's take our break here. When we come back, I'm going to throw something at you. I just want to see if you're going to throw it back at me. We've got a lot more sports talk coming your way. This is Sports Bar Radio presented to you, as always, by Equity Guru. More on the other side of the break. You're listening to Sports Bar Radio with Rob Fay, brought to you by Equity Guru. Equity Guru, investment information for millennials and madmen. This segment is brought to you by me and my new enterprise, Nation Extreme Wrestling. Hey, what would happen if a wrestling mark from way back decided that he was going to start his own wrestling promotion here at home and have some of the most talented wrestlers in North America hang out with him? Well, tell you what, you can follow our journey at www.nationextremewrestling.com and stay tuned for show dates in the coming months. Welcome back to Sports Bar Radio with host Rob Fay, brought to you by Equity.Guru. All right, welcome back to Sports Bar Radio. I'm Rob Fay. It is your Wednesday edition. Now, listen, man, I'm going to go a little rebellious here. So, you know that I used to do a show on TSN 1040. It was called Rob Fay Nation Radio. It was the evening show. I never rubbed shoulders with any of the day guys. I could walk past Halford and Bruff. They wouldn't know who I am. Donnie of the Moj, I mean, the great guy. Everybody's great over there, right? They do their thing. They've gone on to great things. Life is good. So I stumbled across an interview that I had done on that show. I'm going to use the audio. Screw them. If they want to come after me for using this, screw them anyway. They screwed me over, so this is right back at them. So anyways, I came across this audio file, and I didn't have it labeled. And I'm like, oh, this is curious. And anyhow, long and the short of it is it was one of my interviews from Rob Fay Nation Radio. It's a great interview. So... For those who don't know, for many years in Vancouver, I bartended, and I revered it. My brother, actually, Nick, is bartending right now at Browns out at UBC. It is so cool. And my kids have even said that they wanted to bartend. And I was like, why do they all want to bartend? Maybe it's because I've sold it as, like, this experience of a lifetime. But 
What's really neat about that industry is the situations that you just find yourself in. If I was to ever write a book, it wouldn't be about baseball. It would be about bartending because that's where the fun stories were. And it's not just the sad guy on the other side of the bar that you're giving Grand Marnier to. It's the, the things that you're like, oh, my God, <laughs> like it's almost surreal. But anyway, so Kyle is my really good friend. Kyle Darling uh, bartended for so many years at the Roxy, and I brought him onto the show one day, and we just chewed the fat for like half an hour, and I couldn't have laughed harder. And it was all sports-related, but it was just one of those moments where I thought, if, if I could ever just brighten your day, if you're driving around, maybe you're walking around at lunchtime, maybe this is a little later on in the day, this interview that ended up going half an hour is so funny he is such a good storyteller and i just thought you know we're midweek it's hump day uh we're trying to get through it the dog days of summer it's hot as balls outside here it is an episode of rob Van nation radio just an interview it's myself it's the great Chantel chand and it is uh, kyle darling from the roxy and it is worth every minute of your time enjoy <laughs> Hour two of Rob Fay Nation Radio, as we're going to go right to midnight. My thanks to DJ Kimo. The DJ portion of the week is over. We went through J-Swing, Alibaba, and of course now DJ Kimo. That's a lot of non-sport talk on this radio station, but we have gotten fantastic feedback on the fact that a lot of people can relate. People remember, even if you're like doing your warm-ups, if you played high school basketball, you know you warmed up to Northern Touch. And so it's amazing that music and sport kind of actually intertwine a lot more than people think. And the feedback's been awesome. So, uh, again, thank you for allowing us to kind of switch it up here on Late Night Radio. Chantel, thank you. How are those tracks, though, right? Those classic chemo tracks. <laughs> you did your homework. You can tell. There was a little extra work put into this one tonight. I was excited for but that But now one. that I know that you can do this, now the bar's been raised. Oh, my goodness. So we're not going back to old Tupac nonsense moving forward. It has to be on the show at least once a show, Rob. No. Okay. I, I, and I, now I know it's coming. It's fine. All right. So I love the Vancouver nightlife. I know it gets a bad rap every once in a while. We're the no fun city, whatever. But if there is one conduit, one place that you know you absolutely, as a sports fan, know. And it doesn't matter if you're coming from Regina. It doesn't matter if you're coming from Toronto or even up from the south. You know that if you're going to go out on a Saturday night somewhere in this city, at some point, you're going through the roller. The Roxy, officially, the Roxy Cabaret, if you will. But you know what? I look at the guys and the girls that work there, and I think that's got to be one of the coolest jobs in the world. We will find out in the next hour if, in fact, it is one of the coolest jobs in the world. Former, but I hate calling you former because now I got to pay to get in. Believe me. <laughs> <laughs> or I pay after I get in. But nonetheless, Kyle Darling joins me. Kyle, how are you, fella? I'm good, buddy. How are you? I'm good. It's so weird not to see you behind the well where I'm begging for like a, you know, a, a 159 drink. <laughs> Look how the tables have switched. You know how many times I've wanted to take regulars like yourself and going, let me come to your work one time and... I'll just start throwing limes and straws and telling people, what do you need? What do you want? What is, what's going on? And just take this place. And it's just like, okay, now we're at my work. Yeah, so this is the most subdued I've actually seen you. It's, it's such a staple in this city. When you get hired, and, and we're going back at the time machine here in like almost 15 years, Yeah. 
did you realize that you were going to be working as a part of like an institution in Vancouver? Like, do they sit down and say, this is not your ordinary bar or cabaret? I had no idea until my first weekend there and I was a bus boy. I worked my way all the way up to being behind the wood and, you know, the, the gunslinger with the drinks, um, made it all up as I went along full on Tom Cruise cocktail. I had the book in my backpack pocket, like a loser. And then just realized that you just jump in the pool and get in there. But I, I come from a very small town in Ontario called Lucan, Ontario. And, you know, when Dude, I was... I've never heard of it, and I'm from Ontario. Yeah, just 20 minutes outside <laughs> of uh, London. It, we actually won Craft Hockeyville last year. Well, good Somehow. I know. It was lovely. <laughs> but, uh, like, the population side said 800 when I was a kid. It was actually labeled a village. You couldn't even call it a town. There was nobody there. But uh, my mom's hairdresser was cutting hair for 50-some-odd years, and... The people behind us, the Mr. and Mrs. Ibbotson, older couple, used to cut their lawn as a kid. Said, I hear your, your mom tells me you're moving out west. You're going to give it a go. And I said, yeah. And he goes, do you have a job lined up? And I said, I got nothing. I got a hockey bag full of clothes, didn't know anybody. And I had spent some time in Whistler for school for a co-op. And I came down to the city, and I just loved it and fell in love with it. And I was sick of the snow. How like, long did you get here before you thought, I want to take a stab at bartending? I was a month in, but Mr. Ibbotson, going back to that, he, little did I know, he, him and his wife grew up with the parents of the gentleman who owned the Roxy, and they were originally from Saskatchewan, and uh, he goes, if you ever need a job, you call this man here, and he writes down this number, and so this is 1996, I never had a cell phone or anything like that, and... He, uh, a month went by and I didn't find any work and I was living in a, literally a closet in McDonald and 22nd and I was on the bus, didn't know where I was going, but I was on the bus going northbound over Granville Street Bridge and I went down in the entertainment district and I saw the awnings, the Roxy. And I remember he mentioned something like that and this lineup is from here to the moon. Mm-hmm. And I went, okay, maybe, maybe Mr. Ibbotson was for real. And so the next day, I call this number. Well, Blaine Culling owns Granville Entertainment. He owns the Rocks. He still does. And uh, this, I call the number, and this older woman answers the phone. And she goes, is this Kyle, darling? And I was just like, yeah. And she goes, where have you been? We have been waiting for you forever. Thought you were dead. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, oh dear. So I'm like, uh, uh, okay. And... Long story short, we met at a place called the Planet Cafe, which is now the Roxy Burger, and uh, went there, and I met Blaine's parents. And she goes, Blaine's going to be here any minute, and Blaine's dad, his name was George, and his mom's name was Edith, and they were entertaining me until Blaine got there, and, and he got there, and uh, I hear you're looking for work, takes out his business card, writes down a bunch of numbers, home, office, cell, and said, show up to the Roxy front doors tomorrow at whatever time. So hold it there because I don't think a lot of people realize this because in today's day and age, half the bars, if not more in Vancouver, are owned by conglomerates or owned by big business, you know? So mom and pop shops don't really exist anymore and yet the gold standard in this city when it comes to just being busy seven nights a week was essentially born and bred from a couple of Saskatchewanites. Am I hearing that right? Yeah, so 
I don't know Blaine's entire story. It's not, you know, we can't tell. He's actually from Ecuador. Yeah. Well, actually, he's <laughs> over in Africa right now. Um, but uh, he, uh, his mom had always told him that get the nightlife scene back in Vancouver. And, you know, I hadn't been invented yet when he did this and started. And he started Granville Entertainment eventually. And when I got to Vancouver, that consisted of the Roxy, uh, the, Planet, uh, the Planet Cafe, where I met them. Uh, Fred's Uptown Tavern, which turned which into Bubaloo, yeah. which turned into Doolin's, which now is something else. And Bubaloo is essentially where Michael Bublé was. That's right. I saw well. him. Yes. I saw him a couple of times. I think my girlfriend at the time saw him as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure. There were so many people. And then he you know, went into the, the hotel business and bought the Comfort Inn that was above Bubaloo's and Doolin's and stuff like that. And then... Yeah, and he built up Granville Entertainment. So you get into the industry, and we'll, we'll skip past the bar backing and all this stuff. We'll get right to it. The one thing that people say about the Roxy is it's a great place to watch people for a wide variety of reasons. And I'm just going to leave that open as where it is. But every once in a while, a star will walk through. It's the, it, it used to be, I don't know if it is anymore, but it used to be the gold standard for the Canucks. You knew you were going to see Gino in there. Mm-hmm. You knew you were going to see maybe Pavel at some point. You were going to see the big guys. Did you, when you first started getting into it, realize, boy, this is the spot that all the road teams come to, all the home team even swings through all the time. When did you realize that essentially you were at the epicenter of the NHL? It didn't take long. And it was always, in my timeline, it was always the road teams that would be there. The Canucks as a team in my days, and I spent 20 years there from 97 to 2017, the Canucks didn't come in as a group until they were eliminated from the playoffs. And it was usually within the next 48 hours. And Mm. it was like clockwork. (laughs) And they went through the door and they went all the way to the back and the place just went bananas, obviously. But the road teams, you know, you could pick up the phones right now and ask any of the old school guys and we'll get into those whoever you want to talk mm-hmm. about a lot of them still aren't in the league anymore they've all retired but ask them the number one bar in the league and they'll even say one of two things the roxy or nash vegas and which they call nashville and nashville f- for your listeners that have never been there it's basically one big roxy it just to me the roxy has always been the place where you had it's just more fun there there was no pretentious douchebags running around it was it wasn't dark nobody's wearing you know a nine thousand dollar whatever on them and you could either go by yourself or you could go with a group of people and have an absolute blast who was the first hockey player or athlete that you saw walk past your bar and you're like oh my god that's blank Holy smokes. Uh, I would have to say it was probably Pavel Burry. Yeah. He Pretty was, big deal. That was a big deal, and I'm not even from Vancouver. Uh, I'm 45, and I've officially now spent more time on this planet in Vancouver than I have back in Ontario. And, you know, when people ask me where I'm from, uh, you know, Ontario will always be home, but I'm from Vancouver. Yeah. And Pavel Bure was, he was the real deal. It was like number 10. 
went by me. And he was wearing a wife beater. That's it. We didn't allow wife beaters. But Pavel Burry could wear anything he wanted. So right. we're talking about the a, guy white, was a, a white undershirt? Too. A white undershirt. And you know what? And when, when Ovechkin was in there, guess what he was wearing? <laughs> I'm like, what is happening out here? What's with the wife beaters, guys? Like, seriously? All right. So let's get into it. All right. Enough of the pleasantries. I want to start. I want to hear a little bit of the dirt. I want to hear some athlete where you sat there and you're like, oh, this is not going to end well. Because, and you could verify this or not, the Roxy flu is a thing. The Roxy flu is a thing. And I'd like to think we invented that. And now everybody calls it the Vegas flu and stuff like that. Las Vegas as a city has nothing on the staff from the 90s to the mid, you know, 2015-ish, stuff like that. We had a team one year. I'm not going to name who they are, uh, but, you know, use your imagination, where it was towards the end of the year. They were already mathematically eliminated from the picture. The Canucks were making the playoffs. Sedins were in the picture, and they were good. We're not talking, like, rookie Sedins. Like, these guys were the real deal. In their prime. Yeah. And it, I don't know what day of the week it was, but we're in, everybody was in, the visiting team was in the back room, where mainly, still to this day, that's where the women bartend, and it was their thing, and the guys loved it, and it was just a fun atmosphere. Pool table. There. The pool the, table, but you know the ramp the that goes up? Yeah, I got you. You know, I know you've never been there, but the ramp goes up, and there's the pool table, and I mean, Indie Weekend, switching gears a little bit, that was, rest in peace, Greg Moore's room. He owned the Roxy and Indie Weekend. I was a busboy in Indie Weekend, and it took me, like, from the ramp to where the bar was, like, it was elbows up. I had the biggest shoulders I've ever had in my life because I was taking the glassware and having to, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. But getting back to that Roxy flu, this team was getting after it. There's getting after it, Rob, and then, there's, and then there's what this team was doing. So much to the two goalies might have been daring each other who's going to get pulled first because they had to play next, the next night. And they were hammered. Drunk. Like, we got them so drunk. So do the bartenders there look at each other and say, we've got blank in town We've got an opportunity to truly have an impact on this game. It's first things first, say, we looked after each other, a.k.a. everybody called the same bookie. Canucks <laughs> in the over tomorrow, book it, put your kids' college on it. We, after this night, we had the over, Canucks in the over in the first period. Like, it was the easiest money you've ever made in your life because of we just obliterated this team. Like, it, to so much where it was like, shut up, liver, you're fine. Keep going. And kept them after hours. Here's another case of beer, guys. Have some fun, blah, blah, blah. I mean, they were done. You know when you're, like, on vacation and you're just your last day of work before your vacation is tomorrow, you're just like, I just don't want to be here. And I, I'm going to put in maybe a 40% effort today because all I can think about is that plane ride to Mexico or wherever I'm going. That's the vibe that we knew these guys were in, and we destroyed them. The Roxy so, flu, and that's just one of several occasions. So you walk next, I guess the next day, out to the TV, turn on the score, 
see the Canucks are just absolutely just lambasting this dusting, team. Dusting. Dusting these teams when we put them and through the And you feel like you were a part of things. Like you if actually there was genuinely had a hand a third this. assist, <laughs> the Vancouver Canucks owed the Roxy staff primary assist, secondary assist, and then the Roxy flew. Seriously. Seriously. But it's not limited to, to athletes. It's not limited to hockey guys. Like, celebrities oh God, still no. come through as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I remember when Michael Jordan's representative, the NBA was here and live, and everything was great. And uh, they had phoned the Roxy, and uh, Vic was talking to them, apparently, and just said, you know, the concierge, everybody says this is the place to go. And he made it very clear to them, we don't have a private room. We don't have a roped-off area. When you come to the Roxy, everybody has access to Michael Jordan. Everybody has access to Rob Fay. Everybody has access to everybody. We don't do that here. And that's a pretty good comparable. Yeah, Michael Jordan. <laughs> thanks for that. You know <laughs> that will never that, happen yeah. again. Uh, <laughs> take care of my own. Like I saw Charles Barkley in there, and that was fun. And it was—I can't remember if he showed up or not, Michael Jordan. But uh, uh, yeah, I'm not going to say if he did or didn't because I can't remember. But that's something that celebrities, whether you're on the big screen or sports celebrity athletes, n- knew when your first time you went through there that, hey man, you're just one of the, one of the other guys. patrons there. Before we go to our first break. Best tipper, worst tipper. Best tipper, Dan Hynote. Like, I can't tell you. I'm not going to tell you what he tipped me and my partner, but absolute champion. Absolute champion. That guy knew how to look after. I think everybody in their lifetime needs to serve someone. Serve. Whether you're going to get food for somebody or drinks or whatever, serve. You will appreciate it a lot more when you get out of the service industry and i just don't understand people who don't take care of people if the service is bad then yeah don't tip but this guy every time he rolled in colorado columbus whoever he was rolling you with, just knew this guy was awesome all right awesome. We're, we're, we'll save the worst one for the other side on the other side of the break the man across from me right now again a guy that worked at the roxy for 20 years has a special relationship with the St. Louis Blues. <laughs> We're going to come back on the other side of the break and get right back into more hockey talk, but from a different perspective. We get it through the eyes of one of the great bartenders in Vancouver. I'm Rob Fay. That is Chantel Chand, Kyle Darling to my right, and this is Rob Fay Nation Radio. Who gets popped for doing drugs anymore? It's 2019. Like, who still gets suspended? I understand if it's like the new millennium and they're just trying to figure it out. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm Rob Fay. This is Rob Fay Nation Radio for probably the last half hour in this radio station's history. Uh, She is Chantel Chan. That is Kyle Darling. Kyle Darling from the Roxy, formerly of the Roxy. But I wanted to bring him in because now you obviously got time on your hands. You're not behind the well working at the cough buttons to the left. Oh, sorry. Where is that? This thing? (laughs) It's the one, the one that says beside eject. You know what? So anyways. I'll be in my trailer. <laughs> Literally and figuratively. All right. So the St. Louis Blues yeah. have a unique connection, not to the Roxy, but to you specifically. What is the link that brings you guys together? Every sports athlete 
relationship that I have to this day, I have because of the St. Louis Blues training staff. Um, and specifically my current business partner, Jeff Wright, who they nickname Rubber because he's the massage therapist. And by the way, won a Stanley Cup this past June and then also works for the St. Louis Cardinals in the uh, summertime and almost made it to the World Series, obviously. But um, they came into the Roxy one dead night, him and a guy named Mike Crusoe, awesome guy, player services guy. Yeah. And I didn't know who they were. It was Deadsville, and I'm serving them. People started coming in, and we just started to know each other. And then the very next night, they were in town for a couple of nights before they had to play. The rest of the training staff come in, and I meet a gentleman named Jamie Compen, who's now the um, assistant coach with the Winnipeg Jets. And I just the relationship just kept in touch, and every time they came into town, I just took care of these guys. And I get invited to go everywhere, just not just to St. Louis, but I went on the road with these guys, uh, Arizona, and then Anaheim, and then L.A., and then so San what, they, Jose. So they, what, they say when, you're in ta- when they're in town, they're like, ah, you should come with us sometime. And you're like, sounds good. Think I, I went I to Calgary. Uh, we, the Blues had played the Canucks here. And, uh, I mean, that's when I ended up on the bench. That was just... Ray Borelli is the head trainer there, still is, and he calls me up one day and says, do you still have your uniform? And I'm like, yeah. I went down and to the morning skates, and then I helped out in the room a couple of times, and we traded jobs. You had a St. Louis Blues uniform? Well, it's just a polo shirt and a pair of nice pants, the tr- whatever the training staff wear. And so they, everybody wants to get behind the bar when they're at the Roxy. Somebody I'm looking at included. And it's, you know, I would get them back there and uh, a bunch of players for the Blues went back there and just like, Kyle, I made, I made, okay, I got 14 shots over here and a beer. And I just prayed the liquor board didn't come in because we're pouring all the shots wrong and stuff. And I'm just like. It's probably not a good story to tell on a radio station. Well, they don't do that anymore. This is, you know, late oh, 90s right, or early 2000s. Yeah, they're all in bed. Yeah. And uh, so they had always invited me to come. To, you want to come work the room? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. This is what an experience. So I did that for a couple of years, and they gave me a uniform and all that. So one day the phone rings, and it's Ray, and he just goes, still got your uniform? And I said, yeah. He goes, I can't talk. We're getting on the, on the charter right now. We're short a guy. Are you working tomorrow night, whenever it was? And I said, no. And he just goes, need you in the room. Be there around 4 p.m. <laughs> Players show up at 5, games at 7, the whole thing. So I was okay. And all I... D- you know, usually did was the guys would come off and they throw the gloves at you and you put them on the heaters and the skates when they get sharp and go hand them back and they're listening to the coach and what's going on between periods. So we get through the first, we get through the second. It's like any other time I'm down there and, you know, what an experience. And then all of a sudden, Bert Godin, who is the head equipment guy, he's not there anymore, but he goes, uh, he throws his towel, just a regular Gatorade towel, at me and goes, you're going on the bench for the third. You're, you're working the defense. I'm like, <laughs> very funny. Yeah, whatever, Bird. He goes, buddy, didn't Ray tell you? We're short a guy. This is why you're here. And now I, I'm realizing, he's serious. And I'm so nervous, buddy. I'm just like, are, are you really? And he's just like, yeah. 
All you have to do, the guys are going to come off the ice. They're either going to put their hand out or they're going to call for it, give them the towel. They're going to wipe their face or their visor. They're going to give it back to you. That's it. The only two things I'm worried about is getting one in the teeth, those pucks, <laughs> and and just messing up. But I don't want to be a distraction, right? Andy Murray's the coach, great guy, and I get out there and immediately my phone is blowing up. I can feel it vibrating in my pants. And all of a sudden, somebody starts rapping on the glass behind the bench. And I'm like, oh, God, somebody knows me. They're sitting right behind the bench. you got to be kidding me. Who is it? It's a regular at the Roxy. It's my buddy, Bassam, who does security at GM Place. I think it was called GM Place back then. Oh, so this is in Vancouver. This is in Vancouver. So the Roxy bartender is now in a St. Louis Traders uniform <laughs> on the bench giving Crazy. towels to, like, whoever. Yeah. And it was, uh, I remember the look on Carlo Koliakovo, TSN guy. <laughs> I remember the look on his face. He's got the WTF, this guy. Who is this? What's happening? And I'm just trying not to get hit by the puck. And, you know, Jay McKee, who I still have a relationship with today, he's, you know, calling for the, for the towel. I give it to him. He throws it back. It hits me in the face because I'm, I'm just trying to not get hit by the puck. That's all I care about. Getting hit by the puck is kind of a big thing. Oh, dude, it would probably kill me. Like, you get an appreciation. I think everybody, I think everybody, if you can afford it, should sit on the glass at an NHL game and really experience that. The only thing that, that really kind of sucks at sitting on the glass is you can't see the entire ice surface. So you're always looking up. Your neck hurts like the front row at the movie theater looking up the thing. But, man, did, did I ever get an appreciation how fast it is down there. It is there. pretty fast. You had an intimate moment with... Uh Andy Murray? I, yeah, I, I got invited, so Rubber calls me up and, you know, he just says, what are you doing the next however many days? And he says, book some flights, come down on the road with us. We're playing Arizona, Anaheim, L.A., and San Jose. So I go down there, and we uh, basically, they win, or sorry, they, they lose in a shootout in Arizona. So they're 0-0-1 on this road trip. Fly to Anaheim. And they dust the Ducks. It was really interesting. I'm down in the room after the game having a pop with the guys. Billy Guerin looks over at me. Funniest guy in the league, by the way. Absolute beauty. The Minnesota Wild are in such good hands. You will love this guy. He looks over and he goes, holy something. Kyle, look at this. When was the last time looking at the game sheet you ever see Scott Niedemeyer be a minus five? Scott Niedemeyer, <laughs> minus five in this. Like they work the Ducks. So now they're one on one Take the bus, go to L.A., hang out with the guys, have a great time. They beat uh, the Kings the next night, 2-0-1. So we get up to San Jose. I'm exhausted, by the way. I'm not doing anything. And I am so tired. I have such an appreciation for the training staff and what they do in the long hours. That like People don't understand. they got to go out to the airport to meet the visiting team, load all the equipment, come down. It's the middle of the night, hang gear. It's 3 in the morning now. Go to the hotel, then get up three hours later, get back, rub the guys down, do all the stuff, and then finally it's game time. But we get to San Jose. I'm going pee, and all of a sudden the urinal next to me, here comes Andy Murray, the coach, and he just looks over at me and goes, we win tonight. You're coming to St. Louis with us. Now, it's the all-star break after this game. 
and I'm going home. I don't care what this guy says. I'm, I'm so tired. And But he's dead serious. And you were talking about superstition. Like, they were, he was serious. Sure enough, the Blues sneak out a 2-1 win in San Jose, and they go undefeated on the road with me, and Rubber starts telling everybody that every time I'm in attendance, he was keeping track. This was going back a few years that the Blues haven't lost a game when I'm somewhere in the building. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I hate you right now because I know what's going on. Half of them are just going to do the whole superstition thing. Well, because superstition counts. Absolutely, it you, does. Before we get to our break, you had a chance encounter. Correct me if I'm wrong here. With Ben Affleck. <laughs> but he came into the Roxy. Bigger guy than you think. <laughs> and it was... Was this Ben during the good times or Ben the not-so-good times? This was right around the whole Porsche stripper thing. Ah, so and things that weren't going so well. may or may not have been true. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And, yeah, it was a nice guy. But I'd, I'd say he's, he's got to be 6'2", 6'3", maybe. But thick guy. Nice guy. Great. Just hung out in the corner by himself and... You know, gave some people some time, and we had to put a couple um, bouncers around him a little bit. But, um, yeah, that was my first Batman. Oh? I've had two Batman encounters, and it was the only time I was telling Chantel that I've been starstruck twice in my 20 years at the Roxy. And I had traded shifts with somebody, did him a favor, so I had to open. It was like a Monday. So when you open back in the day, it was 7 o'clock. So I had to be at 6.30, set up the front bar. It's 7 p.m. It's Deadsville. And it's me and the bouncer. And the bouncer was Ryan. And he set the music on before the DJ shows up and stuff like that. There's nobody going through there. All of a sudden, this guy comes through. And he's got a hat and glasses on. Not sunglasses, but regular glasses. And I'm still kind of just getting bottles ready and setting up. It must be like 7.04. And I go... I got my head down, and he goes, hey, how you doing? I recognize the voice like that. And I look up, and I'm like, uh, uh, hi, uh, what can I get you? It's just the stupidest stuff came out of me. I did everything I could to get this guy to stay here. And he's kind of like looking around. There's literally nobody in the bar. And I would have done, I was just like, just please stay. I didn't stay that, but... It just would have been fantastic. He goes, you know what? Maybe I'll be back. Uh, it's okay. You sure I can't buy you a drink? Come hang out. There's going to be a lot more people coming. Blah, 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 blah. And he takes off. And I watched this guy like a total creep walk southbound down Granville towards Nelson. And he did. So you're 45. I'm 45. Who's your Batman? George Clooney? I hate you so much. And I'm going to leave. Well, who is it? It's Michael Keaton. Oh, The right. real Batman. Now, the Christian Bale movies were good. I enjoyed them, but that's my Batman. Like, who's your James Bond? Oh, I don't know. Uh, Roger Moore. Right. When Roger Moore died, I was just like, oh, that sucks. And that was the second time I got starstruck because somebody else died that came through the Roxy. But Michael Keaton, and you know what he did? He walked down the street, and he did the Beetlejuice walk. That was like his regular Stop thing. Stop it. I swear to God. And you know who reminds me when he does that walk? Is if Conor McGregor put on the Beetlejuice 
Halloween costume. <laughs> he, all he'd have to do was maybe do the voice because he's got the. He was just doing this all the way down. I'm just like, and I'm looking at it, and Ryan's kind of looking at me. The bouncer, he just goes, "Who's that?" And I just go, "That's Batman." <laughs> That's Batman. That's my Batman. That's Michael Keaton, baby. I hate to see it. Of all the movies I remember in my life. George Clooney. I don't know. Oh, yeah. my God. I think Christian struck. Bale was a better answer, Rob. Yeah, it would have been. You haven't said anything in like 30 minutes, and <laughs> you come in and just like hammer me out of nowhere. that's my Batman, Christian Bale. But Michael yeah. Keaton was great, too. But yeah. George Clooney, I mean, come on. I, you know who I, I think there was one guy that got overlooked for Batman in my times. I would have liked Ooh. to have seen Morgan Freeman as a Batman. Okay. Yeah, we'll take a break here. All right, on the other side of the... Well, crickets. I'll tell you about life. the other time when we come back on when I got starstruck. Because it was like I was... I couldn't believe it. Bigger than Michael Keaton? Oh, God, yeah. Oh, cool. All right, we'll have to take a break here. We will uh, come back with our final segment of Rob Nation Radio. He is Kyle Darling, formerly of the Roxy. Chantel Chan chiming in, telling me that I got to learn more Batmans. I'm Rob Faye. Back after this. Final segment of Rob Fan Nation Radio, Chantel Chand riding shotgun, still without a cough button, Kyle Darling, formerly of the Roxy. Sorry. Dude, I, I, we went through like the tutorial. We did the whole thing. I'm like, it's to the left. Then it looks the, very scary. Music, it yeah. looks like, you know, a doomsday button. Yeah, Mo just got a little piece of his sandwich on there, if memory serves me correct. Ugh. All right, so you've had the Stanley Cup through. You've had Michael Keaton through. You've had Ben Affleck through. You've had them all through. What am I missing? If you had one story to finish on, I mean, we got a Roxy bartender in here for just a couple more minutes. And by the way, for those who are already asking for David Pratt stories, not going to do it. No. Um, but there are some. Is it? Maybe. Uh, as I was telling Chantel, the only other time I really got starstruck where I was going downstairs for a break and there was somebody in the staff bathroom and there was this massive entourage down there and opens the door and out comes prince dude i was like that's prince like prince prince in the washroom at the roxy the, the staff bathroom oh cuz he's prince well yeah every i saw him four times before he died which is just stupid and he went upstairs and basically apparently said, yeah, this isn't for me. And I think he went to Richards on Richards or Barnon or something like that. But for those brief seconds, I was like, that's Prince. Like, this was my high school days. And then you've got Batman and Prince. And I was just like, that's it. It's You're over. Done. I'm done. And Who's then when the Stanley Cup got brought in, I was like, wow. Pretty. You drank from the Stanley Cup. Bill Ramford, uh, I knew through Jamie. So uh, Jamie Compton had Mark Crawford. I have a great relationship with him and Bill now. And they, Billy is still the goaltending coach for the LA Kings. And Mark had phoned Jamie, who was the video coach for the Blues, and said, how would you like to come down to the bench? And he gave him a shot. And um, it was when Crow was you know building the kings up like they are now rebuilding them and he calls me up one day and he goes what are you doing late august and i was just like uh i don't know he goes why don't you come down to rookie camp skate with some of the rookies i was like what pardon so did that weekend 
I was known as the drill killer because I killed every single drill. I had no idea what I was doing. Those guys young blood me where they took me out drinking and then the next day we hit the ice and I was in, I was in trouble. And uh, then they won the Stanley Cup eventually. Jamie was still there. Mark had got let go. And Bill calls me up and says, because his wife and his daughters love going to the Roxy and always took care of them and just a wonderful, wonderful family. And he invited me to, I get in the Stanley Cup on this day, would love to have you out to our house. They still live in Vancouver and uh, got invited to that. And he goes, listen, I want to do something, but you got to keep it hush hush. And he said, I said, sure. And he goes, has anybody brought the Stanley Cup to the Roxy? And I said, you know what? No, I don't think so. Is there music going on? And uh, he goes, I want to be the first. But I want to do it for the staff, for how we had looked after them. And he brought it down. And before word had gotten out to the public, we took a huge staff photo. And it was great. (laughs) (laughs) What is so funny? (laughs) We got to let you go. It's the end of the show. I've got so many more stories. We will have you back. She shot tail. I'm going to be in my trailer. <laughs> tail chant. This I'm was Robin. not in the brochure. <laughs> we'll be back next week. I haven't even told my George, George Perro's fart story. Fantastic. I just love that guy. I, I, we got to bring him on again. It's been far too long. Okay. Got to wrap up the show. I want to say thank you to everybody over at Equity Guru. First and foremost, I want to say thank you to Jay Swing, my producer extraordinaire, my brother from another. I want to thank Chris Perry. I want to thank Galen. I want to thank Hassan, JP Chung, and the irreplaceable Priscilla Choi. Until you and I do this again on Thursday, that's tomorrow. You got it right. I'm Rob Faye. Have yourself a fantastic day. You have been listening to Sports Bar Radio, presented to you by Equity Guru. Sports Bar Radio was brought to you by Equity Guru, investment information for the new generation. Visit us at equity.guru and let's make some money together. Please note, any mention of companies on this podcast is part of a promotional campaign, and the information you hear should be a part of extensive due diligence. As well, always get advice from an accredited financial advisor before you make any investment decision. Protect yourself.